Welcome to Off the Clock, a podcast by Procino Wells and Woodland, where we take a team-centered, family-focused approach to serving the estate planning and elder law needs of our community on the Eastern Shore. I'm Amber Woodland, one of the attorneys at PWW Law, and I'm joined today by Leslie DiPietro, one of our other attorneys. We're excited to discuss some little things that matter today, so let's go ahead and get started. Sounds good. So by little things, I really mean our stuff, and we all have a lot of it, but technically it's called tangible personal property. So I, just to kick us off, what is it? What is tangible property, and how does it differ from other types of property? So it's a mouthful to start, it right? <laughs> um, sometimes it's easier to understand what something is by talking about what it isn't mm-hmm. first. So under the law, there's real property and there's personal property. So with real property, that's your land and any permanent improvements to the land. For most of us, that's our residence. Maybe it's our farm, something of that end. Tangible property is then broken into two categories. So you have tangible property and you have intangible property. Intangible property is bank accounts. So your CDs, your 401k, your money market account, things of that nature. Your tangible personal property, I tell clients, is anything that is you could pick up and move, right? Maybe not with your hands, but anything you could pick up and move. So examples of tangible property include our jewelry, our uh, the contents of our home, our collections, if we have guns, things of that nature. It also includes our pets, which is not something that we oftentimes think of. We think of our pets as family, and a lot of us do specialized planning for our pets. But at the end of the day, they are considered tangible personal property. Awesome. What a great definition of the difference between the different types of property. It can be really confusing. And I think that's why I always just say, it's our stuff. You know, I look around my house sometimes when I'm sitting there and I'm like, gee, I got a lot of stuff. (laughs) Or if I have the privilege of doing a video call with a client, sometimes I'll talk to them about planning for their tangible property. And I say, look around, you know, everything in your house is your stuff. Everything in your garage is your stuff. And it's so important to plan for it. And I find that it's often some thing people overlook in the planning process because they're thinking of the other types of property like bank accounts and real estate and their farmland, their rental properties. And so we talk about the importance of planning for tangible property and making sure that we eliminate as much conflict as possible with regard to tangible property. Yeah. So a lot of times the reason people don't think about the stuff initially is because they don't think it has a lot of value. And monetarily, our stuff is probably the least valuable of our assets. Um, But it probably has the most sentimental value attached to it. So I think it's important to understand that when you're creating your estate plan, it's going to come into effect when you pass away. And your family is going to be grieving the loss of your life at that point. And so our emotions are heightened. And so we tie sentiment to these personal items. And sometimes those sentimental items can create the most conflict between beneficiaries. And so when we're creating an estate plan, we want to promote harmony among the beneficiaries in all ways. So we want to talk about tangible personal property and how we might create a proper plan to deal with those assets. When I think about stuff that's meaningful to me, it's oftentimes not anything of monetary value. It's more of sentimental value. I love vintage. I love nostalgia. I'm very sentimental. And when my grandma passed away, I couldn't wait to get my hands on her stuff, even if it wasn't of monetary value, because it was just part of her and it reminded me of her. And why don't you share what you have even with you today that's meaningful to you as an example of things that we need to make sure our families are planning for? Yeah. 
Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing that. It's just, we're, we're big, um, we're just big softies around our office. So yeah, we all sort of have that. But I had a great grandmother who I lived next door to until I was five years old. She worked for a lawyer in Dover. And so she had a will, she had her planning in order. And she included a list of property, leaving me a diamond ring that she wanted me to have. I was five when she passed away. So she made sure that my parents would keep it safe until I was 16. And I remember the moment on my 16th birthday when my dad handed me this box from my great grandmother. And it, to this day, it just means everything. I love it when my clients include their grandchildren as part of their planning. You know, sometimes they don't necessarily want to leave the other types of property to the grandchildren or the great grandchildren. And I think the tangible property is such a great way to remember, you know, and to make sure that the grandparent knows that the, they were thinking of the grandchildren when they were doing their planning. It's just so special and it's a great way to do it. So you mentioned the list, the separate written list that can be used with a proper plan to outline certain items that can pass to certain people. Will you elaborate on that? Yeah, sure thing. So we practice in Delaware and Maryland, um, and the rules a little different in the two States. Um, if our client is a Delaware resident or Maryland resident, and they create a revocable trust or a probate avoidance plan, um, or if they're a Delaware residents and they have a will-based plan, they are permitted by, by the law to incorporate a second list by reference. And that list essentially identifies the personal item, identifies the person to whom it's to go, and can also indicate, I want this item to go as soon as I pass away, or if I have a, a spouse and my spouse is still living, I want it to pass when they pass away. So that list is really nice and it's really flexible because it's a list that's created after your estate planning documents are signed. So you don't have to make all those decisions about the antiques and the collections when you're making the other decisions about your estate plan. You can do it after the fact when you maybe have a little time to think and to go through your household, that sort of thing. That list can also be updated um, anytime. It's very flexible without going through the formalities of updating your trust or your will. Um, the document has to be either in the person's handwriting and dated, or if it's typed up, it needs to be signed and dated by the person who's passed away. In Maryland, if we have a client who has a will-based plan, we would deal with those tangible items in the will drafting process. So we would need to include it there. One more benefit of trust creation is the use of the list. Absolutely. Yeah, the tangible property memo. And it keeps all of that private too. Have you had clients say to you, do I have to inventory all of my stuff? And I have, and they say, you know, there is going to be no way that I could list for you everything that I have in terms of tangible property. And I say, no, you don't have to list at all. This is, this list is intended for the special things. Um, what are some other ways that we can plan for, for tangible property, like including a separate provision? You, you outlined specific bequests can be included in a will or a trust, but what about kind of the, what's left over that's not outlined of the personal property and even sometimes giving away the property before death and how that works. Yeah. So I have another personal story to share there. Um, You know, there's lots of different things. Sometimes we want to see the heir enjoy those things while they're while I'm still living. So uh, another instance is I have a maternal grandmother and I always admired her crystal wine goblets and she knew that I love them. And I remember one Christmas, I'm opening boxes and I opened the crystal glasses and I said, Grammy, I... 
these are beautiful, but aren't you still using them? Don't you want them? And she said, no. Uh, she said, I was going to leave them to you, but she said, then I wouldn't have seen your face when you opened them. Aww. So sometimes there's just a really good reason to give those things away if you're not using them now. So you can experience the joy of being the giver while you're still alive. Um, but you're right. Not everybody details all our stuff. We have too much stuff mm -hmm. to put on a separate list. Um, so we include always a default provision, whether that's in the will or the trust document that essentially says anything I didn't specify on that list is going to go in a particular way. And I think we talk to our clients often. We want to be really thoughtful about that provision, too. Um, sometimes we'll, you know, people will say, well, I trust that my children will make equal division among them. And you can incorporate that provision. Um, um, but it does leave the chance that they're going to disagree. You didn't realize they both love the same cereal bowl that they ate out of when they were five years old. So you, you know, you've unintentionally created a conflict. Sometimes people will say, my trustee or my personal representative, I trust them to come up with a method or a process, whether that's some type of lottery system or um, rotation system to equally distribute the assets. But just thinking through those things um, can really save a lot of heartache. And I think the thing to understand is the distribution of the stuff often is one of the very first things that happens. So people's emotions are still very raw mm -hmm. at that point in the process. That makes me think about what I call the midnight raids and when tangible property grows legs and it mysteriously goes missing not long after a person has passed away and how important it is to make your wishes known related to your personal property and have the right people in the right position to make sure that those wishes are being carried out. I mean, you mentioned that disposition of the tangible property happens relatively quickly in a lot of cases, but if there's multiple people who can access the house and stuff goes missing, it's impossible to trace. So do you have any examples or insight about how maybe no planning or poor planning led to some conflict that ended up costing money in the end that maybe could have been saved with good planning. Yeah, I don't have any personal stories to recount, but I, I do think that that happens, right? If we don't have a plan and all three children have a key to the house, it's going to be a race to the house either before or after the funeral service so that they can get their hands on whatever uh, they think they're entitled to. Um, and that can be an awful situation. Uh, oftentimes, too, when that happens, people are not willing to file lawsuits to try and recover those personal items because, again, they're not truly monetarily valuable. But it can create uh, a situation where those siblings, they don't speak to each other for the rest of their lives. And that that's not a legacy that any parent wants to leave behind. Something else I'm kind of just chuckling in my head about is my grandmom hid stuff. <laughs> and I'm also on the board of a nonprofit in Seaford that has a thrift shop. And we get donations at our thrift shop and there's money in the pockets or there's stuff stashed away in a book. And it's impossible to find even what we're looking for. And I think that that's something, I think it's generational too, but I think it's something to be really clear about. If you're hiding something, especially tangible property that's of any value, make sure someone else knows where to find it because we don't want to lose it or misplace it. And we don't 
definitely don't want to assume that someone took it and we can't find it. So my, my grandmom kept band-aid tin cans Mm -hmm. with just little stuff in them all over the place. So something that looked like trash could have something really meaningful inside of it. So, and that's why she did that, right? She hit it because it was was important. Yeah. (laughs) But sometimes it meant that, okay, when we're dealing with the distribution of those items, we had to look through everything with a fine tooth comb because we weren't quite sure what was where. So I think communication is key when it comes to personal belongings. Um, I have, and we all have served as trustee and executor too for our clients who have a bunch of personal property. And when we're drafting those plans, I encourage my clients to think about someone besides me in in some cases who should handle the distribution of the personal belongings because it's such an intimate thing, but that person needs to be trustworthy. Absolutely. And And fair. And fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we hear about some other methods that our clients use. (laughs) You want to talk about like the dot, I call it the dot system or the rotating selection or the drawing of straws or some writing the names on a piece of masking tape on the back of an item and, and whether that's legally binding, whether it's effective and how all that works. Yeah. So I have a lot of clients that have asked specifically about, you know, labeling items around their house. And a lot of people have spent a lot of time and given a lot of thought to that. And I tell clients that's fine. It's instructive, but it's not legally binding. So the, the remedy to that is to then use that list or detail in the Maryland will document Um, what those wishes were. But I think it's important, you know, the list provides the same opportunity for you to kind of walk around your house and decide who should get what. Uh, So just just think about that as as you're creating that plan. That's what I would advise the listeners. Can we use groups of things or do we have to always be really specific? So for instance, could I say all the tools in my garage or all the China in my cabinet, or do I have to specifically inventory everything? No, we can, we can generalize. And I think that that's oftentimes what we do. I do have clients who are very detail oriented and they might come in with a complete inventory of Mm -hmm. their China set. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you intend for that China set to go to one person, we don't need to be that specific. Another thing I was going to mention along that same line with the tangible personal property list is that you can specify sort of where this item came from. So a lot of us, things are important to us because it's been passed down from generation to generation. And that list can detail, you know, this was your great, great grandmother's uh, antique clock, for instance. So it allows the, the storytelling to continue also. Which I love. And I've even heard about folks who will even create a little video uh, uh, kind of memorializing the origin of a particular item. And I think or photograph or a little written memo or something is just so nice to preserve the history. That's right. And the roots of where it came from. Uh, so tangible property is actually one of the things I enjoy talking about. I've done hour long presentations before on nothing but tangible property because we don't want to overlook it. We need to include it as part of a plan and estate planning is all about preventing conflict. We can sell and divide real estate and cash, but we can't physically saw the clock in half or the diamond ring in half. So I think just to wrap it up, do you have anything else that our listeners should know or have we covered it? I think we've covered it. We just want people to take it seriously. Keep it in mind when they create their plan. Awesome. Thank Thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thanks for being with us today on Off the Clock. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at pwwlaw.com. 
Of course, you can contact us directly by calling 302-628-4140 or emailing info at pwwlaw.com. We're here to help you plan today to protect your family's tomorrow. See you next time. Anything discussed on Off the Clock is for general informational purposes only and is not intended to create an attorney-client relationship. To obtain the most reliable guidance, listeners are encouraged to seek personalized advice from qualified professionals.